The dude and a very special guest co-host. Introduce yourself, young tall man. Uh, my name is Paul, but I also go by Free Caviar. <laughs> so, uh, just so everybody knows, Paul is actually sitting crisscross applesauce on the ground. Yeah, that's how tall he's. He's on the still because we put on the, on the regular riser. He would just his head would have been like. All <laughs> they call me Tall Paul. That's they my, do you call you Tall that's Paul. My nickname, why Paul. are you? Why, why are you running around the United States? Uh, my girlfriend uh, asked me to, to take her ashore the, the America, so that's what I'm doing right now. I've done almost 5,000 miles in the last three weeks, coast Ooh. to coast, driving everywhere. Uh, and I actually got a speeding ticket on my way to Chattanooga uh, at 1 a.m. Did you have to get baptized wow. to get out of it? Uh, luckily, I, I didn't get to get baptized. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. The, the guy's like, I was like, what's my uh, fine? What's the price? He's like, oh, I don't know. You're going to find out three to five business days online. That's like, I'm like, so I don't even know how much the wow. ticket's going to be. Wow. I have to determine it. Uh, it's like it's going to be online in three to five business days. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, wow. What'd they nail you at? 100, 110? Well, it was 95, oh. going 95 into 70. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it yeah. might be $500. It'll, it'll be a good chunk. Yeah, wow. yeah. I might get a speeding, get it. I might get a speeding ticket. Uh, I might get a speeding ticket picking this thing up. I mentioned we looked at a, I looked at a dog on yeah, Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a look at this clip right now. I went to go see the puppies. And um, as you can imagine, when you get that kind of greeting and, uh, up to your oh, look yeah. at that. Yeah, there's like a litter of <laughs> Did eight. Did you get the I black one? Like six boys. Yeah. <laughs> there's a the little guy right there. And uh, yeah, Cutie. ended up having to put a deposit down on it. Like, yeah, I, I know it was dangerous going to see the puppies, but, you know, we were ready to bring one home anyway. Yeah, pause on that That's sucker. Awesome. He'll be, be home with us on, uh, on Friday. We got a ton to get to today, including uh, nearshoring, offshoring, uh, an incel wagon, some company that thought it was a good idea to name their company Lot Loser Express. We'll talk to Paul a little bit. And we also have Rachel Premack here. Let's talk about our main topic, which is parking. But before we get there, we got to tip the band. So, Surge Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. It is. Email jobs at surgetransportation.com and do what, Michael Vincent? Oh, you open your own office tomorrow? Yeah. Sounds that like easy, idea. Paul? That's, that's open <laughs> yes, one up. sir. One email yeah. away. We'll open it tomorrow. From freedom, just like Rachel <laughs> Premack is. Rachel, thanks for joining us. Hey, Rachel. Uh-huh. You sound See, great. She's trying just to kidding. You're us. muted. Please unmute her. And give us a clock us. up here too, thanks. You did? Oh, yeah. there you are. Now you're there. You're there. <laughs> okay, now you can hear me. Yeah. Yes, Rachel. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, Rachel. Great, parking great. can't be parking can't be easy to find in New York City, can it? Um, no, it's very hard to find. They actually so during the pandemic, they uh uh it used to be that twice a week they would clean the streets, so you had to move your car twice a week mm -hmm. if you were doing street parking. Um and they stopped that during the pandemic. A bunch of people bought cars because it suddenly became really easy to park on the street. But now it's back back to um, alternate side parking. Yeah, you know what the big Just menace is now? With the electric huh. cars, people are running like extension cords across the sidewalk, tripping uh, disabled people and all that kind of stuff. Stop, I'm not even serious. I saw, I saw a big rent. Come on, where is that happening? With the, the, from the electric cars, the extension cords, the people who don't have parking, they're like, you know, taking them from their brownstone and putting them on the street, and people are coming by and tripping and breaking their faces. 
It's a thing. I don't live in the brownstone area of New York. That's the fancy part. I don't believe you live in New York. I want to see some utility bills here to prove that that is your actual uh, abode there. I think you have a secret lair. I'm I'm no longer in my Jones Act bunker, so. Now you're you're after truck parking, and you put out an article, and you said, hey, maybe we're thinking about this wrong. But let's start out talking about what is the issue with truck parking? Like, I know, I know one stat. I know one stat that may make your eyeballs water. The ATA said there are 11 <laughs> truck drivers for every one parking spot. Yes. Yeah. And they had another really shocking statistic, which is that apparently drivers spend on average 56 minutes a day looking for truck parking. Uh, so definitely a lot of pretty surprising um, statistics that they found through their own research. Uh, but the issue with truck parking is basically that we've seen trucking as an industry expand so much over the past few decades, but truck parking really hasn't caught up, um, really, really haven't kept up with that same amount of growth. And most truck parking isn't at, you know, public rest stops or state owned rest stops. They're actually at private rest stops. So uh, those companies, they, they kind of control how much parking, parking space availability there is in the first place. And then adding on to that, there are a lot of zoning issues with building new uh, parking spaces. Um, and a lot of communities don't want to have, you know, giant truck parking lots, uh, you know, driving down their property values and whatnot. So it's definitely a multifaceted issue. The, uh, and then the other other side of this is that most warehouses and, uh, you know, shippers don't allow for trucks to park overnight at their facilities. Uh, so there's a lot going on, and it basically ends up in a lot of truck drivers really struggling to find parking um, most days. Oh, what do you make of all this? Well, after driving across this, the whole United States, I've seen very limited parking spots. They always have, like like, the amount of spaces available, and it's been most of the time just zero parking trucking spaces available so it is definitely an issue and i've yeah. seen it just by myself just driving across the states so does it impact you on the on the brokerage side at all or do you not really uh, that's more of a dispatch kind of i issue? would get drivers or dispatchers ask me often like oh can a driver park at the shipper or the warehouse overnight and yeah. uh sometimes like shippers and warehouses were nice and sometimes they just have yeah. a couple no no policy so mm-hmm. uh definitely an issue that needs there has to be some solution towards it. So. I agree. I, the, one of the interesting things that I got out of your article there was that 75% of the private truck stops said uh, in 2015 that they did not plan on adding parking. And that seems like it would be a way to capture more business, right? Yeah. Why would you not do that? Is there, was there a reason behind that? Is it the zoning laws or, or Rachel, do you know? That was a mystery to me as well. And I did talk to, uh, you know, the, uh, one of the uh, public affairs officers from the National Truck Stop Association, which I didn't realize was an association that existed before writing this article, but there's an association for everything. Um, so yeah, that was confu- that that was also confusing to me why um, they were not increasing truck parking, uh, especially because it is becoming more more and more common for these truck stops to charge for um, truck parking. But my my educated guess from this would be maybe that they, you know, make more money from uh, fuel sales or showers or the um, the like actual like food and goods that they're selling in the stores and like truck parking is maybe not the the profit center for these uh, companies. So, so that that would be my guess. So what was the solution that was talked about in your article? What do they think could work here? 
Yeah, so one one idea uh, that Steve Vaselli at the University of Pennsylvania suggested, and he's a uh, he's written a book on you know the trucking labor market, and he you know worked as a truck driver. He suggested just that we return to the pre deregulation model of running a trucking business, which is that you don't have uh, drivers uh, ping ponging from coast to coast, uh, you know for their entire careers. And instead you have, let's say someone who's based in Detroit, they bring a trailer to Chicago and then they swap their trailer with another driver heading from St. Louis to Chicago. And then they bring their trailer back home. And this means that more drivers have, you know, more home time. um, And that, that would definitely, you know, make the job a little bit more appealing and perhaps reduce turnover but it also just means you have less need for truck parking because people are not sleeping in their trucks. They're sleeping at their house. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting alternative, definitely an interesting solution. Um, whether it's feasible on a, you know, for most Rachel, you've said enough, Rachel, you've said enough. Let me ask Paul something here. So Paul, (laughs) on the solution, Rachel said, this is, it sounds to me like you're trying to shoot a bullet with a bullet. Um, how, how would that work in practice? Because to me, like the logistics, speaking of logistics, logistics behind arranging these type of relays could be its own big challenge. I know it's interesting because in autonomous trucks, they've talked about this quite a bit. Like, how do you get the drivers involved? You got to do some kind of relay system. But when we're talking sort of general freight or especially uh, challenging freight with, with varied routes, would this be easy? I think it would cause a lot of issues, a lot of a lot of more problems uh, to to handle. But what's interesting, and there's some there's there's spot hero for parking spots for regular cars, and there was an application for truck spots. I, I followed a guy on LinkedIn, and he sold the company recently. I'm not sure if if, I, if you guys know what the company is called, but there is a company out there that does like truck parking, where you can just go on an app and find truck parking. Yeah, sure. And it's called Truck Park, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Anthony Pettit's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. exactly. And so he just sold it or got acquired by someone. And I'm wondering if, I mean, that that seems like the right solution is, uh, you know, someone could privately, you know, buy, like, you know, their own land or their own spots, and then they could just have an application where you could kind of, like, go, Yeah, to monetize the, the parking yeah. in, in some way and, and maybe through advertisers or promoters or whatever it happens to be. But the model that he's talking about there from, from there, it still exists today in, in LTL. You don't see yeah. yellow and roadway drivers and yeah. Messiah parked at a truck stop because they are running relays yeah, constantly. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it would require relay yards and private relay yards and all that other kind of stuff all over the, all over the country for that to happen. And your private guys, what would they do? You know, I mean, right. you, you kind of limit competition if that became like the law of the land, right? Yeah, totally. But uh, you know, does it have to be absolute? Like, right no, if you get fifteen more percent of loads run this way, would would you increase fifteen percent more parking spaces? Did did it seem like anyone seemed excited about that idea, Rachel? Well, the problem with that idea is that you would definitely have to. It would just require. So the the reason why you know uh, Steve Vaselli thinks that this model kind of fell out of fashion is because um, if the driver labor population is so flexible, you know, not as well paid as they were in the pre-deregulation era, this is just harder to do. I mean, it's already challenging, you know, getting these loads and playing these loads. So playing on a relay basis is like a whole new, a whole new, mm. a whole new issue. Um, and of course, there are many loads that you can't switch to a relay basis. Um you know, the congressman who I interviewed who 
previously ran his tr family's trucking company. They mostly did flatbed, sensitive chemicals, uh, you know, more, more kind of complicated moves like that. That's something that you have to like move out like at the at a moment's notice. You can't be like, well, you know, we'll get there eventually. Um, but <laughs> I think it, it it does make sense to me, which is why you know I featured it in uh, my newsletter. It does make sense to me as a as a solution that would fix not just the truck parking side of things, but also the driver retention side of things. It would probably make the job more appealing. Um, would make certain things more efficient. Um, and it would, I think, ultimately lead to the driver driving more and making more money for the companies because instead of spending, let's say, an hour a day looking yeah. for parking, they're spending that time moving the load that needs to be moved. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I well, they want $755 million to build more truck parking spaces, put that in the government's hands. You know, you might get like 30 spots out of that, right? It's not a lot of millions. <laughs> it's not a lot no. of millions. It's I mean, what, what she's talking about, though, is the goal of every of every uh, truck load carrier anyways, to build the density between, say, New York and California, be able to do that anyways. If they, yeah. if they, could, if they could build that density of regular moves, that's exactly how they would run it, right? But it's mm -hmm. that load balance mm -hmm. that keeps changing and, and dropping out and moving over to – you know, three cool. PLs or whatever that screws it up, right? It's that free competition yeah. that does that. So you got to, yeah, because I mean, yeah. that's exactly what they would want to do anyways. It's well, that perfect balance. Right? Hey, everybody, yeah. we can't park on this topic forever. So let's go to a video <laughs> stupid question from our good friend, international meme lord, Boris Panov. Listen closely, Rachel. The question will come at the end. Roll the tape. Hello, everybody. Greetings from Greece to everybody in the free Face studio. I'm calling just to show you where I spend my vacation. With my family and friends. So we're, we rented a house right next to the beach. So it's literally, the beach is in our yard, which is great. There is not so many people over here. There is not so many noise. It's really peaceful and quiet. Everybody goes to sleep and wake up too early except for us. And uh, yeah, upon your request, here is where we spend our time. It's really beautiful. Boys, I wish I was there in the studio with you, but I'm wishing more if you could be over here so we can have an open streaming show. And uh, yeah, for the end, uh, I don't got a wheel, but I got a stupid question. So since you guys are professionals, I want to ask you, uh, what happens if you hire two private investigators to follow each other? I accept wrong answers only. Uh, love you guys. Boris out. <laughs> All right. Well, a little cowbell for Boris. Boris, enjoy your, your trip. It seemed like he was having a good time. He was yeah, it looks amazing. Raving and <laughs> yeah. getting involved in domestic disputes. <laughs> Rachel, what do you, what's your answer to his question? Okay, so first of all, I I was like really confused where it was going. It was like, is the question like, why aren't I on this vacation? Like, I don't know. Like, you tell me. I would like to be on it. Um, but let's see. Wrong answers only. So they would find out where my Jones Act lair is for sure. And that's in an undisclosed location. Um, let's see. What else would the private investigators find? I would like... 
maybe the private investigators could like find out what is wrong with my Wi-Fi. Like if they could like, you know, see maybe that like someone overnight is pouring like maple syrup on it or something. I don't know. I think that could be that would be a great uh that would be great to find out. Um, yeah, just just off the bat, those are those are two quick two quick ideas. I think that they'd find out. Well, good stuff, Rachel. Go check out her uh, newsletter modes. Go subscribe to it and have a great time. Enjoy your. Uh, don't trip over any of those electric uh, vehicle extension cords yeah, out there. They're everywhere. I, I still haven't seen these. <laughs> <laughs> they're all over the place. Look out! Apparently. All right, Rachel. Take care. <laughs> good seeing you. Wow. See, there you finally got to meet Rachel. Yeah. We impressed yeah. her. No, she's great. Rachel's okay. awesome. She's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm, a, right. I'm a big fan of Rachel. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Well, hey, we have a couple of guests here. We got uh, Karen Kandahari, Chief Marketing Officer at Cargate Sun Logistics Express, and Les Fieldman, Senior VP Business Development at Cargo Solutions Express. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Or ladies and gentlemen, or gentlemen and gentlemen. I'm not sure what's going on. Hello. It's, it's gentlemen and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Sorry. the uh, Hakuna yeah. Matata. Where are you right now? The Rainforest Cafe. I like that Hakuna Matata behind you. <laughs> so that's how the theme of the office is made. We made a team that wherein we have enough greenery because whenever uh, whenever we're working, we would want to have some positive vibes out there, and kind of, the greenery kind of sorts it, sorts us out overall, I guess. Well, <laughs> and who do you have awesome. with you? <laughs> Uh, Les uh, is, is our uh, biggest Les client. <laughs> and uh, I'm here in the good old USA. Well, hey, Les. In Colorado. <laughs> Ooh, nice. nice. You just had a nice Stanley Cup parade over there. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. You I'm definitely are... not in Greece. <laughs> definitely not in Greece. Well, it looks a little wild over in Greece, so maybe that's a good thing. Well, Karen, <laughs> let, let, let me lean into our topic there. Our topic is how shippers are looking for large fleet carrier partners for end-to-end -end solutions. Let's, let's kick it off. What are those fleets looking for right now? So um, at Cargo Solution Express, we're a family-owned company that's had a lot of growth over the last uh, two decades, uh, starting and still operating as a family-owned business. We really fill a niche in the mid-size marketplace uh, we're approaching 1,000 trucks now, uh, about 2,300 trailers. We have enough um, physical points around the country with 24-7 terminals where we try to provide services that are a little different than the uh, small operator that can't drop trailers and provide the services that we do. Um, and yet we try to differentiate ourselves from the biggest carriers by providing one-stop shopping. And um, with the size of our fleet and the operations teams that we offer, we can bring the freight in with drayage uh, off, for example, the West Coast. We can bring it to our terminal in Fontana, California, um, strip the containers down, reload them on 53-footers, and have them all the way across the country in five to six days. So. We operate quickly and efficiently. Um, we don't really operate in, we do have a brokerage division, obviously, but for the most part, we're talking about our asset side today. 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Karan, my question, Karan, is, is is this: is when you when you look at this, and I and I know that shippers are looking for this, and they're going for the end to end solutions. Has the past two years really uh, exacerbated or caused that to move forward a lot faster? As as shippers and BCOs just really learned that man managing all these little pieces is a pain in the ass, and I might as well have somebody else do it for me, and it's much more efficient. Yes, we have. So we have some very nice live examples. We're working with very, very huge customers. We have TJ Maxx on board. We have like Walmart coming over. We have Costco coming over. Everyone is looking forward to such a service, you know, because having a single point of contact with a carrier, which basically does everything for them, becomes much simpler. And with the pools that we have, it's very simple to maintain those pools with the shippers. And for them, it becomes easier because they load during the day, we pick it out during the night and we get it there as delivered on promise, on timely basis, right? And there's a 24-7 update team. So whatever information they need, there's a turnaround time of seven and a half minutes and their information reaches them. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Let's well, let me ask you something. But like, so how do the shippers feel all about this? And why are shippers looking for large carrier partners in this moment, you know, instead of smaller carriers or any other options out there? Why the focus there? Well, one of the most advantageous parts of this, especially with companies of uh, bigger size, on the inbound side, we may have 25 or 30 trailers coming in over a day or a two-day period, and those trailers get unloaded and move to the other side of a distribution center or building where the outbound freight goes. So as a shipper, they don't have to manage two carriers, one for the inbound, one for the potential outbound, where you basically are dealing with one carrier and it's a more synergistic feel when one driver comes in, drops trailer in the yard, goes around to the other side of the building and picks up a loaded and goes from there. So uh, we, we really are trying to provide both inbound and outbound services. Oh. Yeah, for shippers that are going out there and looking for all these the end-to-end solutions, let's bring uh, Harsam Ram into the uh, uh, conversation here and talk about how do carriers really survive uh, a competitive market with offshoring partners? How do they utilize that to survive these markets? So Harsimran is not in. I, I'm basically covering for him. He's my boss, by the way. So it's the same thing practically, I hope. Uh, but what they're doing is that, uh, what carriers are doing is that, you see, now with the AB5 coming in, you would see a lot of independent contractors going into companies. For large fleet carriers and small fleet carriers, getting like this, let's just pick up the smallest issue, like getting paid on time, you know. An average uh, OTR trucker takes about, say, five to seven days to get paid because that's the time he takes to put together the invoice. For a dredge carrier, that time is, uh, line is somewhere between 15 days, right? So when you choose an outsourcing partner like us in Cargison, what we do is we have turnaround times already in place. So we can get this done in two to three days, irrespective if it's a dredge carrier or it is an OTR carrier, right? Open and above that, when you're working with professionals who've been doing this for three years, managing a fleet. Um, so we have like 40 companies with us right now, and we're handling a fleet of 1,500 uh, trucks across the U.S. and Canada right now, right? So at a single point of contact, we become a perfect representation because it's not like hiring a, a business process outsourcing. You're doing a knowledge process outsourcing. So you're hiring partners for long term who will make sure that when the market is hovering around $1.99, you reduced your cost and keep it sub 90 or sub a dollar 
after everything so that your profit margins can go higher this is excluding obviously the the installments on the truck and and other fixed costs i'm just talking about the operating costs right now so well, that's how we help him and pitch him well, Hakuna Matata, it means no worries for the rest of your days. And maybe Cargason does as well. So people who want to learn more, where do I send them to, to meet you, uh, two gentlemen? So how it works is that if you want to go for Cargo Solution Express, uh, you can write to either less at CargoSolutionExpress.com or you can just basically go on our website and there's a contact us page. You can just fill in the form and we will get back to you within, say, three to four hours. For Kai Gaisen, it's pretty simple. You can drop a mail to us at current at kargaisen.in or you can visit our website and fill in the same form. So we're very easy people to reach and we are we have very strong turnaround times because at the end of the day, Amazon has taught us one thing is customer service is priority and we, I think, have replicated that almost 90-odd percent. The remaining 10% is yet to see and being grown in the coming years. Cool. In the coming very, years, basically. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time today, gentlemen. Take care. Thank you. Have Thank a great you so day. much. Thanks for having us. Take it easy. You know, if you are a shipper right now, it does get a little confusing right now, or you're even a, a carrier, right? Because there's so much talk about offshoring versus nearshoring, and and that can that can mean anything now, right? From manufacturing to dispatch to people you work with, you're very familiar with that being totally. over in Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's bring the conversation to nearshoring. That's been a big one as well, and that maybe can give you a competitive advantage too. We have Jordan DeWart here. He's the president over at Redwood, Mexico. Sir, thank you so much for coming on the show. Good morning. How are you doing today? Doing well. How's, how's Will doing too? You know, I bumped into him a couple months ago. Great guy. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Everyone's, everyone's doing great over here. A little sweating in the uh, South Texas sun, but, uh, but all well. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, it's been like that in the mornings here in Chattanooga, too. It's yeah. been like, you were just in Tampa. I was, yeah, Tampa was really hot. Humid and it gross. Like, I it was. Yeah. <laughs> a little, it little was worse than Poland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jordan, can you give us a little background on, I know a lot of people are familiar with Redwood Logistics, but how about Redwood, Mexico? Tell us uh, what goes on down there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Redwood Logistics, we just had our 20th anniversary last year. Uh, they built a really strong business over the years, and some of their main customers had started expanding into Mexico, taking advantage of the cost benefits of nearshoring. And so four years ago, they tasked us with starting up Redwood Logistics Mexico as a greenfield kind of grassroots operation. Uh, Troy Riley, Mike Finn, and myself started that from, uh, from scratch. We've been really, really blessed with the successful operation. We've grown this to over 30,000 shipments a year now. And that's mainly driven by our ability to partner uh, with the Mexican cross-border carriers. We, we've uh, onboarded over 250 Mexico cross-border carrier partners here. So uh, really nice ride, especially over the last two years. Excellent stuff. So you, you mentioned the renewed emphasis on the nearshoring, right? And we've all seen this, the key initiative for a lot of our audience, obviously. So can you explain really how this became a strategic alternative for shippers, how and when this really became a strategic initiative? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can go back to the NAFTA agreement, which was signed in the mid-90s. Uh, companies started expanding over mm -hmm. into Mexico. Uh, and the first products that went into Mexico was anything that was big, anything that was very large and expensive to move overseas. So uh, automotive, you know, cars was the, was the number one thing. And then appliances, anything in your kitchen, refrigerators, uh, you know, dishwashers, washer and dryer, uh, flat screen TVs uh, were the next Nowadays, the cost benefits have grown so much, it runs the gamut. Any product can be made 
in Mexico as cheap or cheaper than elsewhere, uh, namely China. So we're seeing things like healthcare products, food and beverage, uh, clothing manufacturing, uh, like I said, runs a gamut. Uh, any, any, all a lot of companies are coming into Mexico to take advantage of that. Uh, Jordan, I got a quick question for you. It's my first question on what's sure. the truck. I'm Frank Caviar, by the way. Nice to meet you, Jordan. Um, what advice would you give companies and their nearshoring strategy regarding Mexico? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if it's your first time coming into Mexico, you, you want to kind of forget everything that you think you know, uh, because it's still international shipping. Uh, you want to partner with uh, folks like us that have been in the market for uh, you know 25 plus years. Uh, you want to build rep, you know relationships with reputable companies. Uh, you have to be uh, open-minded in terms of different shipping methods. So uh, you know you might have a really strong uh, partner carrier in the United States, an asset-based guy that has service in Mexico, but that's not going to cut it as you grow over the years. You're going to need uh, you know to deal with different modes of shipping, different border crossing points. Um, and when I say modes, I mean transload versus direct trailer, intermodal, uh, and the ability to use B1 drivers coming into the United States. So I think in a word, flexibility is something you want to build into your supply chain uh, and build as close to the border as you can. Uh, the, you know, in Mexico, we've seen the main growth be toward the northern part of the country, Monterey. Uh, and, and that provides a lot of uh, cost benefits or just on the other side of the border. So um, that, those are the things that I'd uh, definitely recommend for our partners. Totally. And, and you, Jordan, you're calling from Texas or Mexico? Yeah. So quickly, I'll give you a 30-second version of me. I'm actually Canadian. Uh, early 90s, they're talking about this thing called the NAFTA. I went down to uh, Mexico to learn Spanish, never came back. Uh, so ended up living 25 years in central Mexico uh, married a girl there, and we have three kids. Uh, and and with the uh, onset of Redwood, Mexico, I relocated up here to the border to Laredo, Texas. This is really where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, uh, in the cross-border trucking market. It's uh, it's by far the larger border crossing point, um, and, and it's the largest inland port in North America. So this is this is where we need to be. Great town, um, but definitely, if you want to play golf, it's going to be in the uh, spring or the fall. Uh, <laughs> or, or before 9 a.m. when it gets to be uh, over 100 like it is right now. Yeah, well, and that's a good question, too, because a lot of times here in the news, if you're in America, the only time you really hear too much about Mexico is like border issues or, or trouble down there. But it's it's actually a great place. I hear it's a great place to get a meal, too. What's your favorite meal down that way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Me Mexico is a wonderful place. Definitely. The people are amazing. Uh, the weather's great. Uh, the food is what I absolutely fell in love with. I, I know you wouldn't know it by looking at me. You're thinking, you know, where does he put it? But uh, <laughs> I would I would go with uh, mole poblano would probably be my favorite, favorite traditional Mexican food uh, that you can get. Just just amazing stuff. So what, what's the what's the beer of choice to go there? So I got two questions, really. It's two parter. What's the best beer? What's your favorite Mexican beer? And have you found the, the secret as to why they put lime in the beer? Is it for the flies or the taste or what is it? That, that's an excellent question. And by the way, to appear on the show, I was promised a beer. So uh, I'm remote, so I'll have to crack that here a little bit later on. But uh, my favorite beer, go-to beer has got to be Negra Modelo. You can ah. find that in most parts of the United States without yeah. a doubt. I, I gotta say I'm a purist. Uh, I go I go without the without the lime, but um, definitely with some of the lighter beers, lime when you're sitting on the beach, nothing better, right? Uh, it really improves the taste. So, but Negra Modelo, I mean dark beer, the gold foil, 
definitely my go-to. Well, Jordan, before we let you go, um, what's next for Redwood Mexico and, and yourself? What do we have to be excited for moving into Q3, Q4? Absolutely. Like, like we were talking about uh, uh, earlier in, in the show, uh, nearshoring is going to be really big for Mexico. We're, we're very, very bullish in Mexico. We're expanding on all fronts and all of our services throughout the country. Uh, pe- people really got burned over the last two years by putting all of their eggs in one basket dealing with China. So they're going to be looking at expanding into Mexico. So we're, we're really excited to uh, build a full service logistics company to partner with all those companies that want to expand into Mexico. Uh, and, and like I said, we'll just be ramping up operations here on the border and throughout the country. Uh, so, so more to come from, from Mexico and good things in the future. Um, one, one term I heard uh, recently was friend shoring, oh, uh, meaning, yeah. you know, doing business with your friends uh, versus your enemies. So uh, I think that fits the bill for Mexico. There you yeah. go. Well, hey, Jordan, thank you so much. We appreciate your time today. And yeah, French Shoring, big thing, especially when you're looking at what's going on in the geopolitics out there. Yeah. yeah. Hitting off the close stuff. to home for you, buddy. Very close. Hour yeah. away. What's your favorite Mexican beer? Mexican beer? Corona. Corona? Wow, you yeah. keep it simple. I'm a simple the virus guy. virus didn't turn you off from it? <laughs> no, I'm a very simple okay. guy. Okay. Negro, Negro right, I agree up. with him, Negro Modelo. All right, let's talk to <laughs> D-Bon Sims Jr. He's the owner at Another Day, Another Delivery Logistics. D-Bon, thanks for coming on What the Truck today. Thanks all for having me. Uh, yeah, well, we appreciate it. You know, one of the reasons I brought you on, and show a picture of his family here. I saw this post on, show this, yeah, show that picture of his family. I saw this post on LinkedIn, and you were talking about how you took up trucking, and you've been doing it for a little over two years, and it's the hardest job that you've ever done. But the reason you do it is those, those smiles behind you. Tell us a little bit about your story, man. Um, so, about my background, like, it, it's not too pretty. But in the last four years, and because I took up trucking, it has definitely changed changed my life. And when I when I it comes to my kids and being a role model to them, like it's it just feels so good to be able to show them better. And that's that's what I strive for is to do better for my kids and uh, the people that's growing up around me. Yeah, so, uh, Dave, on the, the thing that I noticed the most on there or in your posts looking at him was you really take the training and the safety very, very, very important. And you can see that in this, I guess, in this video right here. Uh, what do you, how important is that to your company and how do you keep your employees focused on what you've trained them on? Um, so I was trained when I got in the truck and I was trained by a really good friend of mine and he took his time and training me with everything to where again, like it worked for him. It worked for me. And I feel like it, the training part is very important when it comes to this industry and how people are as far as like driving, whether it's simply backing up uh, trailers to a dock or on the highway. So um, with my company training is that the, the training part is the very most important and I mean, I just feel like, again, like we just need to do as an industry, do better with the training because believe it or not, like everything I learned in school is absolutely nothing that we do out here on these, uh, on these <laughs> roads. And that, and that's just what, like, it blew my mind. But the training that I, that I did receive once I, be, I came into the industry, like, I just, I just feel like it's good. And again, it, it made sense. Like everything that I learned, it made sense. So I just want to share that with, People that either whether they work with me or, you know, just helping anybody out, um, like if I meet them out on the road or not. 
Paul, what do you Paul, what do you look for when interacting with a trucking company, right, on the brokerage side when looking at a company like Debones? Well, safety is very important. Uh, whenever whenever you look up a carrier, you always see there's a safety score, and uh, anyone that takes safety uh, seriously will have good scores, and it's so much easier to work with them, and it's also better for insurance reasons. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's so important, especially when it's 80,000 pounds of, uh, of, you know, weight being moved on, on the road. So it's uh, it's a very important thing, and bro- brokers take it very seriously for the most part. So, uh, you guys in Europe, are, do you usually say that in kilograms, though? Did you have to learn to say 80,000? Like, what do the so, Europeans always oh, say when they're doing kilograms? So they, they do, like, what, 40 tons, I think? Or what do they say? Like, I don't know. I, I think well, 80,000 pounds moving down the freeway. 80,000 pounds would be 40 tons. tons. I, I know both. I know the pounds and oh, yeah, the kilograms. <laughs> I, I know I know all, like, the measurements and all the, the weights and stuff like that. But because uh, I'm American and I'm Polish, yeah. well, my girlfriend, like, and she, she's kind of, like, always asking questions. Like, oh, what's 6'8 in centimeters? Or, yeah. what, you know, so, like. Oh, uh, sure. Or yeah. Stone. If you're oh, Irish, sure, if you were in stone, we could ask you about that. Speaking yeah. of stone and heavy things, you just did your first heavy haul. You said you're really nervous about it. You shared a couple of pictures. Let's take a look at those. Uh, tell me about this move. Um, so that was a wood chipper, and that was actually um, the first load my wife, she had dispatched me on that load. Um, yeah, it, it weighed a little bit over 40,000 pounds, and it actually, like, it was... Um, it was it made my my driver's side a blind side. I've never hauled anything like it, as far as like it being outside like that, like a flatbed, pretty much. Um, so I was very nervous in that situation because I believe it or not, that equipment cost a little bit over a million dollars, and I ain't had the money to pay for it. So <laughs> it was very. <laughs> I was I I was riding down the highway just every I just stayed in my my mirrors, but the safety um again played a big part in it. Um, knowing that, that that equipment actually couldn't even go over 60 miles per hour. Um, and I, I did my, I read the, the tires and the, the stickers that was on, the, on that equipment. And again, like it was just getting it, getting it to where it needed to be safe was my, my main thing. Yeah, it is. So, Devon, we've been talking a bit uh, today about uh, truck parking out there. What's that look like to you? And what should you have thoughts on a solution for that? Um, I mean, it could definitely be better and definitely have more of it. Yeah. Um, right now, if um, everything that I do pretty much is dropping hooks. So when it's time for mm. me or my drivers to shut down, we actually have the, I want to say the privilege or the, the um, what's the word? We're, we're actually luxury, good at yeah. just being able to, yeah, the luxury, yeah, to yeah. where to where we don't have we don't have a trailer hooked up, and you know what I'm saying. If we're doing a ten hour after our after our ten hour, then we go get the next trailer and pick up and go, and then if we're doing a thirty four. I just really park at a storage unit and yeah, but just being on the road again and seeing, seeing the, the trucks. I, I mean, I did over the road for, for two years, my first two years in trucking and, and even back two years ago, it was still bad finding. So after three o'clock, man, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, but that's something definitely the industry. My biggest thing with being over the road is what eating and using the bathroom. Mm. Like that's what's been gotten worse. Like since I didn't uh, been in the industry it's like these. And I, I understand that like the pandemic or whatnot, but it's like, man, like can't use the bathroom. I can't eat like in certain places because I got the clock, but yeah. we manage. Yeah. I still love it. Like, it's, I love this industry. Like, I love everything about it. 
I plan on being on it, in it for a very long time. Well, Devon, before we let you go, what's fall looking like for you? It sounds like you and the team are on the right path. You got the good training going on. You're doing the prayers, uh, saying the vitamins, or is it taking the vitamins, saying that? I forgot what Hulk Hogan used to say. Whatever it was. <laughs> Devon, what, is, what does Q3 look like for you? Um, my main thing right now is just looking for some dedicated freight in the North Carolina area. Um, I run Amazon right now. It's doing a decent for my company and my overhead and whatnot, but just finding some dedicated freight. I know as long as I keep pushing, I'm going to get there. I just keep doing what I'm doing, especially with my training and, and just bringing people in that that's willing to learn and um, learn the industry, not only the, the safety part, but the business part. Like um, I'm, I feel proud to be that not have a business prior to this, but to be in the trucking industry, which is a very tough industry uh, going into my third year as my own owner. So it's just teaching people everything I know because it's hard to get information from people these days. Oh, hey, man. Yeah. Amen. Little cowbell for you. Keep trucking. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing a little bit of your journey. I hope we catch up with you down the road and you have gotten that dedicated freight and your company's even huger and those kids smilers in your truck are even wider. Thank you so much, y'all. Thank you, man. Y'all see more of me. I will. We will. <laughs> All right, Take brother. Care. Peace. Be safe out there. Be safe. So, you think you can get him some dedicated freight? Probably could. Probably could. Is it a drive in? Um, yeah, I think so. He's a little heavy haul, too. He's power. Yeah, he's doing power. He's doing, he's doing power. So, he's doing that Amazon. Flat I get his beds. details. He's I could post up on decks. my Instagram. Yeah. We'll get some brokers giving him some dedicated freight for sure. Yeah. All right. Debo um, and Lux. Here you go. Paul's your guy right here. Yeah, hit freight me up caviar. on Freight Caviar on Instagram. That's why we brought him on here so we can help get all you guys freight. You <laughs> Freight Caviar, brother. Freight, freight Caviar. All right, now a word from our sponsors. Shirts. We can't hear you, Devon. <coughs> now a word from our sponsors. Surge Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent. Stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Right. No way. Tear up your non-compete. It's not even enforceable. Instead, you got to email jobs at surgetransportation.com and then do what? Open your own office tomorrow. Of course. Right? Let's do it. Let's right. do it, man. Yeah. Where Being a drivers who have had to deal with parking and going to the bathroom and eating food and all that crap, it is Rooster and Justin from BackToTruckUp.com here with us right now. Gentlemen, get up here. Hey, hey. what's up? What's happening, boys? Uh, Justin, had, you had a move. Justin, how was the move? You were gone for a week. Oh, it's still moving. Still got boxes <laughs> everywhere. At least the pod... One of the pods got picked up yesterday. The other one's being picked up next week, so they're going to refund us 50 bucks for uh, having to have that in our parking spot for another week. Those, have you guys used the pods before? When I was moving no, down here to Chattanooga. We looked into them, and it just didn't. It made more sense to just rent a U-Haul. Okay. Yeah. Never used use it. It was the first time using one. Re- it's really neat how they can uh, just pick it up off the truck and put it wherever wherever it needs to go. Yeah. I yeah. moved in a suitcase to, to Ukraine. Well, you know what? The, well, <laughs> speaking of like Ukrainians and that, like at yeah. Home Depot, I don't know if they still do this. You used to be able to order like workers off there. They had like an app, and you could hire you could hire movers. And they would come to your house. And I remember I did it in South Boston. And they sent these like two Russian dudes, yeah. and um, my God, they were like unbelievable workers. And now I've I've never <laughs> done like the movement. I always hire like some people to carry yeah. it. It's just insane. Like at, like the the amount of lift they were able to do on. Stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I was totally. I was. Well, everybody, hey, so we got a video right now. There's a company out there. You're not going to believe the name of this one. Let's roll the first tape for the first topic. Trying to find a truck driving job on Craigslist is like searching for a needle in a stack of needles. And so this morning on Reddit, somebody posted a supposed screenshot of a company called Lot Lizard Express, thinking that it was like a 1099 scam. 
and I uh, thought the same thing too. I see these all the time on Craigslist. Uh, lots of red flags, not much experience, doesn't pay very well, and they pay using cash or Zelle. That, that, those are like red flags right there. Even the comments did some snooping. Turns out it's actually a real post up on Craigslist right now, and it's a real company. They found the guy's DOT number. Uh, he's looking for a driver. So if you don't mind having Lot Lizard Express on the side of your truck <laughs> and having to say Lot Lizard Express every single time you check into a gate or a post or whatever, maybe this job's for you. <laughs> Can you so, translate that to Polish? Rooster, was it that bad uh. driving for Lot Lizard Express before you, you joined uh, back the truck up? Dude, don't even start with me with that. It hey, was bad enough researching this story. <laughs> they denied his hey, application. Hey, 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 hey I pulled <laughs> I got my I got my DAC file right behind me, man. I can pull it out anytime. But uh safer score, their safer score pulled out perfect, you know. Uh, one driver, twenty five thousand miles, no accidents, no inspections. They're a legitimate company, but you know, they are the the butt of the jokes as they say this week, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's ask Paul. Paul works for Paul is a broker. He's brokered a lot of freight. Yeah. So you look at the safer score; it's great. But the name is Lot Lizard Express. Oh, Are you giving them freight? They would be my favorite carrier. I'll call them every day. Maybe you, because yeah. you have a filthy mind. How about? But can you just pretend to be a normal person for the? Uh, to answer I this think question? freight brokers would like it. They would. Yeah, I think they, they would. would. They, they would. Gotta, it's like that culture. Would shippers like it? Would shippers like it? Uh, they'd probably laugh at it a lot of times. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean. I, yeah. Like warehouses and, and trucking are like these, I mean, like you know, people are like clenching their pearls. I don't think Chick Fil A is going to like that truck pulling in. Well, I think <laughs> as long as the load picks up and delivers on time, I think that, they'll be happy. Yeah, yeah maybe. I don't, you know? I don't know. I don't know. But what about the driver? Do you think it would get on you well, after a while when you're checking it and everyone just scoffs at you and and laughs at you and the attention you get in the truck stop while you're spending 56 minutes I looking think for it's parking and losing $4,500 a year? I think, I think it's genius. Genius yeah, parking. Think so? We're you talking think about yeah, I know. I know. I'm not again. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make sure. I'm just trying to clear all the checks. You think here. women in trucking organizations are cool with this? I, they uh, probably are. Well, well probably not. Maybe. Probably not so much. Not. I can think of one that wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, let's say you can't get a job at Lot Leaders Express. Let's roll this next tape. All right, so you apply with Lot Lizard Express, but they reject your application. So what do you do? You find the nearest truck that you can, and you write Incel Wagon on it. <laughs> Jokes aside, the story is actually kind of a bummer. The guy parks his truck on his home time near his house, and while he's away for a few days, a couple of jerks decide to graffiti the side of his truck. All right, here's where he's got them parked. One's got Incel Wagon on it, and then there's, a, you know, classic champions of the working class, a hammer and sickle. Now the driver, Eugene Miles, he's saying his insurance will cover the costs of getting it cleaned up. But still, that's you know another couple days he's got to be out of work. If you're out there vandalizing trucks like this, you're not fighting anything, you're not standing for anybody, you're just you're just a vandal. Um, and hopefully the cameras in the area catch you and you go to prison. Yeah, I mean, oh, and Justin, prison. you really got on your wow. soapbox there about the insul wagon, but I can, you know, I, I can understand why it gets, it gets to people. What would you think if you walked out to your truck and it said uh, insul wagon on the side? Would you still run the freight or would you do it? This guy didn't take like five days off to wash it off. Yeah. I'd throw my lot lizard. I'm going to be like, follow Freight Caviar on Instagram underneath. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone's going to look at it, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's going to be like, Insel. Yeah. I just, I utilize everything for like marketing purposes. So whatever works. Whatever works. Whatever works. What about you? I'd throw my lot lizard sticker right over top of it and roll, bro. Yeah, there you go. Just roll. We should run a team together. I think we should. We should run the Polish Team Express. There it is. He's Polish. He's a Polak over there. Yeah, of course. And don't Let's ask, just, I mean, Rooster, what would happen if you walked out to, when you were like with Landstar, you walk out to your truck and someone wrote Incel Wagon on it. What, what's your next step? 
well, I'm pretty firm in my manhood, you know. I'm not, I'm not an incel in any way, but you know, I would not be happy about that, you yeah. know. Uh, a lot of times, that stuff don't come off the truck real good, and you know, I, I hate to have to pay the ten, twelve thousand dollars for a rap job to cover all that up, but you know, do what you have to do. Yeah, sometimes that shadow sticks, right? You wow. see these, yeah. you know, especially on trailers, you know, over you see Philly, the shadow over forever. Right? Justin, over in Philly, uh, you know, the Fresh Prince or anyone over there, Will Smith, they tag your, uh, your truck ever? <laughs> no, Smith. and most people know not to mess with, like, the postal trucks. That's a federal crime. Oh. If I own my truck oh, and someone true. mess with it, yeah. I'd have to set up a GoFundMe for bail. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here's a little, uh, let's hear on a more positive note. Would you guys want to work for the ILWU if working at ports was like this? Hmm. Oh, this is pretty fun. But watch this part when they match. That looks, <laughs> this, this part is where, like, shippers make a play. Oh, it's just hilarious. Yeah, yeah I would pay money to do that. You would pay money would to do that? Would you pay money to run that? That'd yeah. be fun. That would be really fun. If that was it, that'd yeah. be cool. So, I got to ask yeah. Justin something. So you don't all know this, but Justin recently, because there's, like, some video game tournament coming up, and um, Rooster said he was the gamer of the group, and then Justin and I got kind of, we were like, well, wait a second. That's not necessarily true. We have a lot of hours in certain games over here. So Justin shared, like, his thing. What is that, like, medieval gem game you play that you had 700 hours in? It's Gems of War. It's basically like a card trading match three type thing. It's it's bejeweled, but for like D and D nerds. Oh wow! What what is your? Do you have a game like a Vice that you you play all the time? Uh, the only game I play is FIFA, and I've only played like once this year. So I, I don't play mm -hmm. really games. I just try to think of memes all the time, and it doesn't really yeah. it doesn't tend to work out. Sometimes track. a meme does well. Sometimes it does. Like the internet's your game. Yeah, internet's yeah. my game. Totally. Social 100%. media is the game. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Wow. There yeah. you go. Life's I, I have countless hours in Tetris. I will absolutely crush in Tetris. <laughs> well, <laughs> Rooster, here is a video that we have. This is this is something that we've kind of wanted to talk about for a while, and we were waiting for a clear to do so. And now that there's an investigation, there is. So let's play this video and then tell us what happened here. Whoa! Whoa! Oh. Oops. Okay, so what was that, Rooster? What 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 happened here? Uh, this is a video that was uh, sent by a whistleblower to Alex Mai over at Asian Mai Show. It's uh, a safety driver and engineer in a true simple equipped uh, international truck, and during a little bit of a malfunction, the driver hit the reset button, and when it reset, it didn't clear the memory and. So of a two and a half minute old left turn command that was stuck in, I'm, I'm thinking it may have been when the truck got onto the interstate to start with, you know, you, uh, veering left into the lane. Well, it veered left into the median here. Uh, according to the true simple CEO, it only did some minor cosmetic damage, but uh, I don't think so. That's a pretty good hit. That white pickup truck almost uh, had a little more than white cosmetic damage. Yeah. Too. They're really lucky. Yeah, it may be some up. brown cosmetic damage. <laughs> yeah, well, on the seat too. Yeah, the seat might have some. So, I, if you look at this video, I've been watching a couple times. Paul, Paul, have you noticed this? Watch the driver's hand in the blue. Watch what his hand does, and then what the wheel does the second he hits that button. Rooster, is that the mode switch that you're talking about right there? Yeah, uh, I found a picture of it. There's like three or four buttons on the dash, and one of them is you know the, the big reset button. So whenever it was having some issues, he went to reset, and when he reset, it started a. Hitting that left nice. turn command. 
What do you think? Basically, just gave himself a steer blowout. They got to get better than this. Yeah, it can't be happening. Eight thousand uh, pounds on the road. What it like was a steer <laughs> blowout. Start with. Right. <laughs> yeah. That does. I mean, I, you know, I it's again, scary. we don't know if that was like the autonomous system or exactly like what happened there, but yeah, yeah. that does look definitely a little bit sketched. It's not the kind of thing, you know the public wants to see because everyone like this sets that industry back way far because everyone yeah. goes well look if it can't do that then there's just no way yeah and it's like how many billions of dollars went into creating that yeah would you guys yeah. so would either of you guys like justin let's start with you would you ever become an autonomous test driver does that interest you at all maybe on like a closed track but you know putting it on the roads it's got to have you know thousands and thousands of hours of proven service before i feel comfortable putting everyone else on uh, at risk for that rooster you afraid of them you like them what do you got uh, I would definitely want to see something with some more bugs worked out to that. I know, uh, true simple said they've went through and got rid of that, the little bit of software, but you know, more of these whistleblowers are popping up saying they've been screaming this for uh, months toward the uh, true simple CEO and they just, uh, been ignoring it, you know, trying to get this to market as fast hmm. as they can, you know, until they get some more sales going and, you know, they're burning cash constantly. Yeah. yeah, and you know, mm. investors now, especially the way the market is, they're looking for you know real results, not yeah. just vapor and not just not just yeah. talk. They want to see things happen. And you make a good point that could rush some of these uh, safety concerns. Um, guys, we started the show off talking to Rachel about truck parking, and one of the solutions she had was kind of a like a relay system. And actually, Debon is kind of like when we asked him about his drivers, he's not he's kind of doing that with the drop and hooks and everything. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a solution to this truck parking issue, Rooster? What can we do? I've read through that article you saying, you know, the we do already have forms of relays here, yeah. but, you know, slips, eating relays and stuff like that. Uh, the only way to, to me to fix the lack of parking is to produce more parking, you know, and, you know, maybe the transportation bill will get through and we get some parking and it does again uh, mis uh, misappropriated to other programs, you know, uh, high speed rails to nowhere, but it's it's always been a problem there's about i want to well i think there was one report put out there's like uh 10, uh, 10 trucks for every parking spot right now mm. yeah, yeah it was, well, it was actually of 11 it's even worse and that that statistic was taken yeah. i believe that was 2015 or 2016 that it's they took that so it, it could definitely be even worse now and it's an ata number so i imagine that, that it probably would look worse low ball anyway <laughs> Well, Justin, I got a question for you, not necessarily about truck parking, but another theme that came up was toilets, right? And where to eat and the challenges there. Take a look at this toilet seat and tell me if this would have ever helped you out when you were driving for, uh, when you're driving for <laughs> UPS. It's one of those, like, sounds good on paper, but, you know, it just, you're going to get, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> no like Paul, what about you? You'd, uh, you'd try anything once, right? Yeah, I'd try it out. I mean, it would have been useful on this road trip, you know. Like, what if your rental car had that? I, I'm driving that, my RAV4. That's what, you just take like a Clorox wipe and... Uh, uh, I mean, I wish there was a cover on the seat. You <laughs> I've got to spend the extra are, are 50 you, bucks and get the bidet, though. Aren't you supposed to <laughs> ride you can't, that? You can't do that without Do you ride that pantless? Or is that like... so You, you don't need a bidet with those potholes. That's a good point. Coming out of you one way or the other. <laughs> hey, check out Rooster and Justin's podcast, Back the Truck Up. Go to backthetruckup.com to read all the wonderful words that they have to say. They just had a podcast last week with uh, New Jersey Port, talking about port issues and automation, what's happening down there. Check out Freight Caviar. Follow this gentleman here on the <laughs> Instagram, at Freight Caviar. Very easy to find on Twitter, too, at Freight Caviar, LinkedIn, wherever the hell you hang out. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank this, you for coming. This is a lot of fun. Here, you ring the cowboy. Oh, yeah, there Bye we go. Bye, Timothy Tudor. Bye,
at him at Vincent the dude, don't be a stranger and tell him how to be Michael Vincent. Peace and love spread it everywhere.